So was there ever a time when you were like, this isn't going to work? We can't, like, this isn't going to be possible? It's your host, Anastasia, back for another great episode of That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. The past few episodes, we've been discussing some more broader topics related to food and culture. So I wanted to circle back and talk about our home base for a second. And it's perfect timing. In May of 2022, the Littleton Food Co-op is celebrating our 13th anniversary. That's crazy to me. In some ways, it feels like we just opened yesterday, especially facing all of the um, unprecedentedness of the past few years. But on the other hand, I can't picture our community without it. Any manager, board member, or employee will tell you that having to quickly create policies, procedures, etc. and miss unexpected you know, refrigeration issues, supply chain issues, and yeah, global pandemics can make you feel like any random Thursday 13 years into this is day one all over again. But just focusing on the unexpected of the past few years doesn't paint the full picture of how far we've come. We've only been able to handle such recent events so well because we've spent the past decade and more putting in the work to be a truly community-owned and community-oriented marketplace. From building local vendor relationships to creating partnerships with nonprofits and other community orgs to establishing a member base of over 8,500 and counting, all of it has been to help create the best place for you, our members, customers, and supporters. Our guest for this episode knows all of the work it took to get the Littleton Food Co-op to where it is today more than anyone, or at least more than most. Mike Claflin was part of the original team who were catalysts in organizing a co-op to be in Littleton. You can't separate the history of the co-op from Mike's involvement, often being featured by name in any history or timeline of the co-op, whether official or just word of mouth around town. We sat down and he shared with me some stories and surprising facts from those early days that I've never heard before. And with my co-op involvement, I feel like that's a pretty big statement to say. In turn, I'm so excited to share all of his knowledge with you. So, without further ado, let's bring it back to the beginning with Mike Claflin on this special anniversary episode of That's Rad. Why are you here today? Because I got roped into it. <laughs> because we're going to make you more famous than you already are. Yeah, I don't know yeah. about that. Are you saying you can't get any more famous? Or no, you don't want, no. do you not want to? I don't want to be famous. Oh, well, okay, bye. <laughs> no, okay, everyone, so today I'm joined by Mr. Mike Claflin. Mike, thank you so much for being with us today. To start off, if anyone doesn't, know who you are. One, shame on you. Two, why don't you introduce them? Introduce you 
to them for us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I uh, moved to Vermont and New Hampshire in this in the late seventies. After having lived around the world, I grew up around the world. Okay. And when I came to Vermont, I was sick of moving and traveling around. So I, I actually moved here my last years in high school and went to college in Vermont and started working in banking. And I was in banking for any number of years. I've been in the New Hampshire, Vermont um, area along the Connecticut River my whole professional career. I uh, very much appreciated community banking and have always been um, very involved in and uh, participated in community kinds of activities. Between uh, myself and my wife, we have five children, and they range in uh, various ages, as you can imagine. Um, we also have, together, have um, six grandchildren. And I moved to, uh, to and started working in the Littleton area uh, in 2000. Oh, I was it. recruited to come and work at a bank here in town. And while I was working at the bank, I have been um, a vegetarian for about 35 years. I had always been a member of the Hanover Co-op. Okay. And a very dear friend of mine, Jeff Wheeler, who used own the bookstore here in town, we used to joke about trying to figure out a way that we could maybe coach the Hanover Co-op into opening a store in Littleton. Now, Jeff had been a member of the Hanover Co-op since he was an undergraduate, so he was a member way longer than I and um, Jeff actually reached out to the folks at uh, Hanover Co-op and asked them if, if they would consider, um, you know, opening a store up here in Littleton. It was around the time that another friend of mine wrote an article in The Courier, and he, he was an investigative journalist, and he retired up here. His name was Lynn Bixby. And Lynn did a story on um, a local supermarket, we won't name the name, who had a statewide presence. And what he did was he, he went to five different stores in different parts of the state of New Hampshire, and he bought the exact same products. So it was a basket, and he bought the same uh, products in each basket. And he found out, lo and behold, that depending on where you were in the state, the price was different. Mm. And so he was able to determine that the markup that was added to the um, groceries was dependent on how much competition the, the local stores had. So in a very competitive area, such as Concord or Manchester, the markup was much less than a store that was located here in Littleton. So when Lynn wrote the article in The Courier, it was you know met with all kinds of fanfare, and everybody was all the up in arms about. And so there was a general understanding in the community that we'd really like to find maybe a different supplier. So it, that was sort of you know an impetus for us to look into the co-op. When we approached the Hanover Co-op, they said, 
believe it or not, that they are approached by many communities asking for them to open the store all the time. But they were really intrigued by Littleton. They, they were familiar with us. And at the time, th- their board chair at the time, the general manager, whose name was Terry Appleby, they brought up a couple of board members. I think there was three or four of them. And Jeff and I gave them sort of a tour of Littleton and said, you know, what do you think? And so they were, they were kind of intrigued. Um, they said that they thought the next step was maybe having a public forum or a public meeting in the Littleton community to see what, how much interest there might be. And so I don't know if you've heard about the first meeting, but it was a, it seems like it was a March or April. It was in the early spring. It was snowing out. And we had this, uh, we advertised the meeting. The Hanover Co-op board came up. There was four or five of them. And Terry, again. Um, and we met in the, um, at the Littleton High School. And I think there were, they figured there was like 300 people showed up. Yeah, that's what the the number quoted is now, but Yeah. So the folks from Hanover were incredibly impressed because you know, they've they I don't know if you know this, but the Hanover Co-op now after the uh the one at the University of Chicago closed is the oldest food co-op in America. Yeah. And you know, they were talking about having their annual meetings and they might have, you know, 30 or 40 people show up, but to have a couple of hundred. So you know, we thought there was a lot of interest. So we, you know, we bantered about the Hanover Co-op, went back to their store, and they had a meeting, and they actually decided that um, they couldn't really explore opening a store in Littleton because they had a couple of other financial irons in the fire. But they said that they would be more than happy to support us in any way that we wanted to. So that's basically how the idea got started. And Jeff and I went out and recruited some board members to see, you know, what what it was we could do. And we went down to Hanover a couple of times and sort of got a game plan together. How uh, many stores did Hanover have? At the time? At that time, do you know? They had just opened, well, they did not just, they had just two stores. They had the main store in Hanover, and then they had built the store in Lebanon. And they had a little bit of yanks about that because when they when they opened this the new store in Lebanon, they didn't pay a dividend, uh. and so some people were a little upset about that um, because of the financial you know strain to put on the store when they opened the new store. But yeah, no, that was um, how it got started. The idea, anyways. So in doing all of this, was it like? Did you have like a clear-cut role in it, or is it just more of a committee-based thing with you and Jeff and some others, or like was it a little of everyone doing everything, or is it like I'm going to handle this and Jeff's going to handle this and so on and so forth? Well, I think that um, Jeff and I came from. Jeff was a banker as well in his previous life, and so he worked for Chase. And, you know, I had been a banker my old, so we sort of understood the challenges for a startup. So we sort of knew what needed to be done, and we went out and recruited a board, 
which included a CPA, it included an attorney, and you know we sort of knew structurally what we had to do. But then we started, you know, talking to a lot of people and having meetings together. And so, do you think if you hadn't been personally friends with Jeff, like you would have been? Do you think you would have been in this initial group to start? No, I think it was it was a, you know it, it was a, a concerted, very definite decision to try to figure this out if it was something we could do. We honestly really thought in the very beginning that we had convinced Hanover to open the store themselves. Yeah. And I think under different circumstances, they may very well have done that. But, you know, they had other things that they had to contend with. So, um, And once we got together a board of pretty seasoned executives... Um, we all sort of knew what we were up against, so we just went ahead and started, you know, trying to figure out how we could determine whether or not um, we could go forward. We, we all understood the importance of raising money for um, a feasibility study, mm-hmm. um, which was the next step, and that's what we were concentrated on, was raising, I, and I forget now what, I think we originally goal was, I think, to raise $50,000 to try to, you know, bankroll. A, and we reached out to some of the local or the regional co-op organizations. And, of course, Hanover was intimately involved with all of that process. So you keep mentioning recruiting people, and this is something I'm really fascinated in. And I don't know if the answer will change with, like, the board or when we get to the community meeting with those 300 people but like what was the general reaction and also like how did you pitch it like were you saying like this is a co-op like did people understand what that means because back in episode two when I was talking to Minnie our finance manager we kind of talked about how it sounds a little like pyramid scheme almost in a way when you pitch the idea of a co-op without context of like hey do you want to own a grocery store with like eight thousand other people, like it, it, it doesn't have. Yeah. You, if you don't know what you're talking about, there's not much else to go on. So, like, what was the reaction? Like, how did you set up the question of, do you want to be a part of this? Well, it's inter- it, it's very interesting question, and it is does sort of get to the heart of the matter of the whole cooperative movement. You know, and if if you know historically about the cooperative movement, it started in Europe. And, you know, there are large swaths of Europe where co-ops still exist. And it's, you know, in industries that go way beyond just the food industry. There's factories and hospitals that are co-ops. And so there were basically two camps in the beginning. There was the one camp who was familiar with the Hanover co-op. They sort of had this vague idea of what, what a store might look like and feel like and work like the Hanover Co-op. And then there was the other folks that could care less about the co-op piece. They just wanted a supermarket to come to town that, number one, they could you know afford the groceries. And after a certain amount of time, 
people began to, you know, try to understand what the co-op sort of piece was to it. I oftentimes tell the story, we've been asked to help out other communities to start stores. And I remember uh, that I had this discussion with someone up in Berlin, because Berlin has been trying to put together a store for a number of years. And, you know, it was a, it was a public gathering. There was probably 40, 50 people there. We were talking. And, you know, we were talking specifically about the Littleton Co-op. And, you know, they were saying, well, we Littleton is a much more prosperous community than Berlin. We, we could never do what the Littleton Co-op is. And I remember that I faced the exact same conversations in Littleton where they said, you know, Hanover is a much more prosperous community than Littleton, and we're never going to be able to do a store like that. So, you know, there is a sort of mystique about what a co-op is, and it was hard to get across to people that this is a form of ownership, and probably more importantly, governance. Mm. And that, you know, the, co- the co-op members really do have a say in how the store was run. I, I have to admit that one of the things that I really enjoyed was, you know, all of, I think all of the department managers that were recruited to come to work for the Littleton Co-op were from the, the private supermarket industry. And they had to be indoctrinated into what the co-op ownership meant, too. So it wasn't just the general public. It was the employees, too, that had to be come up and kind of figure out how the process works. That's really interesting to think about from an employee perspective of, like, going in. I mean, I'm sure it happens all the times now still with people getting hired at the co-op. But it's like you're going into something... Not blind necessarily, because especially now we have all this information put out about us and the co-op's more established and the idea's more established, but it's like, okay, you're going to leave this department of this store that, like, is, like, completely, you're bringing something totally new to the area and now you have to run it. That's, you need some people who really know what they're doing, and we got them, so... That's well, I, th- I think it also it's it, it's it's a matter of of how management manages the business, you know, where the focus is on the customer and the yeah. and in this particular case, the owner, the cooperative member, and when you get into the normal, you know, for profit supermarket industry, where it's all about price and markup, and the last thing you want to do is spend money on labor. To be able to talk to customers, because that's very expensive. So, it is a mindset that you have to sort of wrap your head around. Yeah. And but I think you know it was, you know, we were really fortunate because the very first manager that we hired, which we hired before we built the store, was believe it or not, a former supermarket manager in Littleton who had gone down and worked for 20 years at the Hanover Co-op. So we were fortunate that we not only had a person who was familiar with the Littleton area, Mm. but he also was familiar with the transition that, you know, happens when you go from a normal supermarket to a co-op and 
And so we were really, really fortunate. I don't think a lot of food co-ops, you know, have that advantage. Um, So we mentioned before, we've mentioned the meeting of the 300 people at Littleton High School. And that happened, we're saying, like spring 2006. So then the co-op opened, physically opened, in 2009. So what was happening between those two points, what was the energy, how was the town feeling, nervous, excitement, skeptical, all three, what was going on? I, I, you know, I think it it was all three. I think there was a certain excitement at the board, the board level, because all the people were really engaged. And there seemed to be an incredible reception from the community. And once we were able to start raising money and we formed the co-op legally and we were able to start um, selling memberships and exploring doing the feasibility study. I think people just sort of gradually got more and more excited about doing it. And then, you know, there's, there's certain benchmarks that you get to that you can celebrate. And I think it was, you know, we had one person who devoted a lot of their time to publicity. So it was, you know, a constant out in the community. And, and you know, it's funny. At, at, I remember this very distinctly. The, the formal co-op industry mm-hmm. told us that we, we couldn't build a store in three years, that we had a new startup and that, you know, you just can't do it that quickly. You've got to put your dues in, as yeah. it were. And we were like shaking our heads, like you know, what kind of attitude is that? But I think we were pretty up for the whole process. One of the landmarks I know for a lot of co-ops is like the physical location and like choosing it and building it. Was were our sights always set on the top of the hill here, or was it an idea of other places or? Was that we 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 went um, we looked at a number of sites in in Littleton. There were two major considerations, and it's true of all of the stores. One is energy consumption, because I'm sure you're very aware of the the energy cost of running a supermarket is incredible, and parking. So not all sites are what. Normally, people would say, oh, well, that would be a good store for site. Well, you know, the consultants that we spoke to were saying those two, you know, are really important items that you need to sort of be your sort of beacon to go after. Do you know where the Harbor Freight is in town? So that was probably one of the top two sites, you know, second to the site that we're, we're at located now. Um, because that was the former site of a supermarket, right? And it had the it had the um, the parking, and originally we thought maybe we could renovate it. Mm-hmm. And so after the initial exploration, that energy wise, it would be more efficient and cost effective to tear it down and build new. It sort of took away the sort of attraction of that site. Yeah. 
And so, you know, we came and looked at this site here, and we met a lot of opposition. There was a lot of people that thought, number one, we paid too much money for it, and number two, because it was an old gravel pit. It had a little farmhouse on the corner there, and it was out of town. It was away from the box stores. And as it turns out, you know, that was probably one of the more thoughtful decisions that were made because, um, you know, it's so convenient now to jump on the interstate and go around and stuff like that. And right, what was thought of a, as a, a disadvantage is now one of the more... An advantage, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's crazy to think of, like, the alternative timeline reality of the co-op being in a different spot because as someone who kind of came into this when it was so established, I'm like, yeah, it's there. Like, I can't... Like, the idea of it being somewhere else is like, well, why would you put it there? Because that, that's where it is. Yeah. Well, I, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be said that when you hire when you hire experts and, and consultants that know what they're doing, you know, they were very clear about the need for parking. And so, you know, we were a little, because of the price that we paid for the land in the beginning, most people don't know, but that lot is actually subdivided. And so we divided it. So at the corner of Cottage and 302, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that you could subdivide out of there. And we were thinking that if financially we were having challenges, we could sell that corner lot. And we were speaking specifically about like maybe a Starbucks or something back in the day. Mm. But as it turns out, you know, that we didn't ever have to do that. But that was, those were the kinds of, you know, alternative ideas that we had hedging our bet when it came financially to the situation. So was there ever a time when you're like, this isn't going to work? We can't, like, this isn't going to be possible? I, I don't know if there was ever time in that. I mean, I think there was times when we were going to be able to raise the money. You know, we designed the the member loan program and that was something that Hanover had thought about and never done before. So we were sort of groundbreaking in that sort of way. And to think that a community like Littleton could raise, you know, a half a million dollars at the time was really unique. And we spent a lot of time designing that program. And so, you know, the main idea was to come up with a million dollars of equity to be able to borrow the balance of the funding from local banks. So, you know, basically we took the half a million dollars from the loan program and a $500,000 CDBG grant, which oddly enough comes to a million dollars. And then once we, once we reached that threshold, I was, think it was more, um, you know, general excitement going to go forward yeah yeah once you have some security behind you rather than yeah just a blind idea almost but did you ever think the co-op would get to the place it is today um no 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 i you know i again you know i've often thought about i was thinking that the growth that has actually occurred here in Littleton that there would be more supermarkets than there are now. The competition, more than anything, would probably limit its growth. Mm -hmm. 
I think, and it's, you know, it, it is kind of heartwarming to see how people have, you know, have a general fondness for the store. It's, you know, it's not like a regular store. It's more of a community meeting place. Yeah. And I don't think that, or at least I didn't have any sort of personal expectation that that was ever going to happen. But yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's just, it's really uh, turned out to be an incredibly cool place to, you know, to go to. And, you know, it's it's not difficult to see why other communities are envious of the store and wanting to try to replicate it in their own communities. Because I think it really has become a community, you know, high, high point. Yeah, it's, you're totally right in saying it's, it's, more than a grocery store it's events and seeing your neighbors and learning about all of the farming and producing that happens in the in the area too and it's like you don't you don't get that at a grocery quote-unquote grocery store so one of the one of the best pieces of advice that terry appleby who was actually the old manager of the hanover co-op was hanover's always had these really cool community projects you know they've always done some really cool things down there and I was commenting to Terry about that one day you know and you know kind of like the roundup thing and he said to me he said Mike it is really a lot of fun to be able to do those kinds of projects but I want you to remember that unless you make a profit and that you're financially sustainable, you won't be able to do any of those school projects. Mm-hmm. So don't take your your eye off, you know, what you have to do to keep going. And I think that's been a great mantra for us that, that you know, we thankfully have been able to do some really cool stuff here, you know, and under Ed's leadership and all of the very successful boards that have come after us, you know, the co-op here in uh, Littleton has done some amazing stuff. I agree. So speaking of the cool stuff, like you mentioned, our Partner of the Month Roundup program, are there any, you know, practices, traditions, ideas, products, anything in or about the store that you could point to now or maybe sometime in the past 13 years you could point to it and be like, that is directly my idea, or like, that is directly a product of my work. No. no. You know, I, I the only thing that I probably could have a fingerprint on would be the member loan program, just because of my background in finance and that whole sort of focus. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really, I can't really take personal ownership of anything I think that, you know, one of the strengths of the whole organization is the fact that it's a community and a cooperative-based organization. And I think that one of the reasons why it's been successful is because there aren't these, you know, single idea things that mm. it's been, you know, developed over time and and proven out to, you know, if it doesn't work, they throw it out, too. That's not a bad thing. If you were to go back, back to 2006, back to 2009, is there anything you would do differently or anything you would tell that Mike, like warn him about or, or tell, tell him about this whole process to keep his head on straight? Yeah, 
not, you know, not really. Um, you know, don't listen to the people that t tell you you can't do it. You know, I think one of the things that I'm the most proud of in the store, about the store, is the fact that all of the farming producers, all the farmers, 13 years ago, most of the small farmers, you know, if they didn't sell in that the Hanover co-op, they were pretty much relegated to only selling at farmer's markets, which is seasonal in nature. Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons why Littleton has become so successful and has had such a dramatic impact is that it's allowed a lot of the local farmers a way to really make a living by being a farmer because they had this ability to sell their stuff year-round. And it wasn't just a part-time gig. And, you know, I think of anything that, you know, I particularly have any sort of, you know, pride in is that having that sort of impact on the local farming community. And I think that, um, you know, it's been really cool to see the local farmers grow. And I think that the store as a retail outlet has been a main driver in that. Yeah, it's they help us grow and then we help them grow. And it's like just the whole community goes up together and so yeah. what more could you want from that well yeah i get again it's you know back into this whole cooperative kind of a movement where yeah you do it together yeah um, so i'm going to expose you here a little bit mike what's your member number <laughs> yeah the member number that i often try to make a joke that it was because they were afraid that i wouldn't be able to remember it so <laughs> And I don't, I don't remember why I ended up with number one. I do know that sometimes I feel embarrassed. <laughs> well, people, so you either that or people will look at me like I'm lying when they <laughs> ask for my number. But you know, it's it's someone's got to be number one, right? That it's you know someone's got to shoulder that burden. But I'll tell <laughs> I'll tell you, I used to feel embarrassed too because it was like. As a cashier, like, before I knew who you were, it was just, like, every time I was like, oh, what's your member number? Oh, I'm one. And just like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's it's one. Like, is, is my am I dressed okay? Like, is my area clean enough? Like, this is the head honcho right here. So, like, it's not like you were, like, gunning for it. No. It just happened. And it doesn't really mean anything other than the fact that it's easy to remember. That's good. I think... Probably a lot of people are envious for that reason. Now that we're getting up into like the five and six digit numbers, <laughs> well, it's fair. It's really impressive, you know. I mean, and I don't know this because I've been away from it for so long. But if I remember right now, Littleton is used to be the second largest in the state by membership numbers. Really? They were we were even bigger than Concord and. You know, obviously, Hanover, I think they're like in the 40,000, but they've, you know, every undergraduate that ever went to Dartmouth is a member, and all of yeah. their family members, but, you know, and it's pretty amazing that Littleton was actually established, I mean, Concord opened um, with some real challenges in the beginning, but we we opened before, Keene opened, and we opened before the one in Northampton, they were all, you know, starting their stores at the same time. It was pretty amazing that, you know, Littleton sort of just 
kind of grew up out of nowhere. You know, like that little dandelion in the middle of the parking lot all by itself. And in that, like, abbreviated timeline we were talking about. An abbreviated timeline. Yeah, definitely. For a co-op. Yeah. Yeah. So, we've said it a couple times now, 2022 is the co-op's 13th anniversary. (laughs) So, let's say, you know, for a human, 13 is a pretty, pretty big year, so... The co-op's entering our teen years now. We're going to have that teen angst. If we were, you know, a 13-year-old child, what sort of advice, words of wisdom, well wishes, etc., would you give us? Don't ever forget where you came from. I mean, you know, stay grounded and don't forget the, you know, the principles of, of cooperative involvement. You know, I I think if you don't lose that grounding, that, you know, you'll never go wrong. Yeah, perfect. Wrapping up, is there anything you think we really missed from this, like, flashback to the beginning? Anything you really want to make sure that people now understand about how far we've come and where we came from? Or You know, I, I don't, I've always wondered... I've always wanted to know if I would have liked to have had someone write us write a book or a story about the Littleton Co-op because mm-hmm. I think that there were so many incredible people that were involved and there was such a community involvement in the whole process that it was it's too bad that it's not immortalized in some sort of a document because I think you know it's something that could be shared with other groups I don't think it's you know, human nature is human nature, but I think that just to be able to underscore the importance of community and what you can do together and not, you know, fight and yell and scream about all these stupid stuff. You know, if you come together with a goal, you can, you know, you can do almost anything. And, you know, it would be nice to maybe someday be able to get that immortalized in some sort of a story. That's about it. Well, you know, I'd say I think we have at least 13 more years ahead of us that we can maybe make that book happen. Oh, but I'm sure. If any, if any um, authors or, or soon-to-be authors are out there, you know, hit us up. But I always have to ask at the end of every episode, Mike, what's your favorite thing to buy from the co-op? My favorite thing is uh, fresh fish. Oh. I, although I've been a vegetarian, I've eaten fish forever, and I really appreciate the fresh quality of the food that's there. Perfect. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on That's Rad today, and it was great to hear about your experience there in the beginning, the pressure, immense pressure of being member number one. And from all of us, we thank you for doing that. We thank you for holding that limelight for us. Someone has to do it. <laughs> to honor Mike's involvement in the creation of the Littleton Food Co-op, he was awarded the first annual community award at the May 2022 Co-op Annual Meeting held at the Maplewood in Bethlehem. 
In the presentation, Co-op General Manager Ed King cited Mike's involvement not only in the co-op community, such as being on the co-op starting committee, the original board vice president, and his enthusiastic call to membership, but also his presence in the community at large, serving as the executive director of AHEAD, Affordable Housing Education and Development, for 10 years. On behalf of the whole co-op, Ed thanked Mike for his dedication and unwavering support and wished him well into his retirement. And now I would like to extend my gratitude again to Mike for coming on That's Rad. Even approaching retirement, Mike continues to be a very busy and community-oriented person. And I'm very glad I was able to steal some of his time to hear the story of the Littleton Food Co-op from only a perspective he could share. And thanks to all of you for participating in your local food co-op and making it such a special place. We wouldn't be the same without you. I hope you had a chance to partake in some of the anniversary celebrations at the co-op during the month of May. Whether it was attending the annual meeting, voting in the board election, or scoring some awesome local samples during member appreciation weekend. Did you enjoy this episode of That's Rad? I sure hope so. If you want to hear more cool co-op content from your favorite local marketplace, make sure to hit that big subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way, you'll be the first to know when we post a new episode. And tell your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, your dog, your girlfriend's cat, your uncle's husband's hamster's goldfish, anyone, that if they want to learn more about food and the community around them, That's Rad is the place to be. And with that, I hope you all have a great day, a great week. I hope you have some fun summer plans coming up. And above all, I hope you remember to eat, sleep, and be rad. That's Rad is a production of the Littleton Food Co-op. Anastasia Marr directs and hosts. Jesse Smith and Annie Stewart produce. Becky Colpitz provides unrelenting positivity and moral support. The Littleton Food Co-op is Littleton, New Hampshire's community-owned grocery store. We put our money where your mouth wants to be. Local farms, of course. No membership is required to shop here. Come check us out sometime, just off exit 41 at 43 Bethlehem Road in Littleton. Or if you're online, Check us out at littletoncoop.com.